What a great thing to sing and declare, because it's true. But I gotta tell you, if that's not on a person's lips, something else will be. We're created to worship. God created us in His image. And something about God declares things that are good. The whole creation was declared by God as He made it as good. There's a dimension of that declaration in holy, set apart. It's kind of like, if you haven't got a connection with God, I'm telling you right now, you'll be declaring something else is holy to you. It's called idolatry. It's like, we just can't help but put our attention towards something. And I've got to tell you, dads, the best thing you can teach your kids is to direct their attention in worship to the true living God, the fatherhood of God. You are holy, Lord. Let me pray as you come around the word this morning. Father's Day is an interesting day to preach, and I'll explain why I think that in a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your presence with us. Pray you'd open every heart and every one of us, Lord, would be open to hearing something this morning that changes the course of our life. Some of us, Lord, need to have a bit of a fine-tuning moment and just slight course correction. Some of us need to make some sharp turns. Lord, some of us standing here this morning need to do a U-turn. We actually need to repent. We need to stop doing something and turn in the other direction. And I pray, Lord, today that what comes out of this message will help each one of us, no matter where we are, to make some changes in our life that bring glory to your name. And that we together can continue to sing this great song and others like it, declaring the holiness of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tap your neighbour and say, I'm looking forward to this. And sit down, that'll be good. Thank you. Father's Day is an interesting day um, in the life of Western world. Um, I think I've shared before from this pulpit on Father's Day. Years ago, I was involved in, in Oars, uh, which is offenders, offenders Aid and Rehabilitation Service and visiting Mobilong Prison quite a lot in those days gone by. Um, and one of the things that um, Oars in particular used to organise was um, for cards to be delivered into prison the weeks before Mother's Day and Father's Day every year. And in that cycle of time when I was involved there, um, we noticed something really, I guess, disturbing on the one hand um, and interesting on the other. And that was that we could never supply enough Mother's Day cards. Ran out of them. And we always had surplus Father's Day cards. Could almost not give them away. And I want to talk to you about being a father and about fatherhood and just a thought that's come into my mind as to why it's so, such a complicated issue. You might not think it is, but I've got to tell you there's a war going on. <clears throat> there's actually a, um, a dynamic, a spiritual dimension at work that's not to do with ideas or opinions. It's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says this, starting at verse 4, "...the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world." On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. One of the deals going on with fatherhood in the 21st century is actually the actual 
the, I guess, the idea of fatherhood and the reality of fatherhood. And this statement, um, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Jesus referred to God as his father, and therein lies the problem. Not because he called him his father and not because he is his father. It means that the issue of fatherhood is right dead center bullseye territory for the enemy to put a wrecking ball in in every opportunity he can. Fatherhood gets bad press. Fatherhood gets all kinds of things. Those of us that are fathers here this morning, I hope you've enjoyed being a father if you are a father. But maybe you're a child whose father wasn't the best father in the world. And it would appear to me that fatherhood, and I'm not saying this is not true of motherhood, so don't get all kind of funky on me about it. Today's focus is fatherhood, and that's just where I'm going. My point is that I think there's a battle going on for us to actually stand strong as fathers and to be not proud in the sense of pride proud, but proud in a holy sense of the word that God's given us the ability to be fathers and to bring up children. The question begs to be asked, how, do I, how am I doing with that? How are you thinking you're doing with that? How did you do with that? Or how did you do with being brought up by a father? And those things are all part of the mix today. And I want to say that the Bible's got a lot to say to help us navigate the ups and downs of life. Anyone say amen to that? So as much as we've had a quick look into 2 Corinthians, we're not actually unpacking that scripture this morning. We're actually starting off the month of September with the Bible reading plan, as Simon mentioned, is the wisdom of Proverbs. And I was sitting in my office during the week thinking about that Bible reading program, the fact that today's Father's Day, and I thought, what is it that I would think is the greatest gift I could give my kids? And I began to wonder, and I thought, well, it can't be, it can't be anything material, because that just will come and go. That can come and go. It's like, so it's not material. It's, so it's, not, it's not a consumer question. Like, what can I give my kids? I'm not talking about giving them a new car or a new house or a new something or other else. What, what as a father, can I give? As much as they might like that, but they're not getting it. So, okay. And I wrote this little statement down. One of the greatest gifts we can give our families, our children, maybe men that are here this morning who are not currently physically dads, but there's no reason why you can't father somebody in a spiritual sense of the word, why you can't father somebody in the relational sense of the word, because as much as being a, a father is a, a statement about a genetic connection with another person, fa fatherhood is actually something that we can enter into relationally and actually help people to grow and to mature and become all that God wants them to become. So one of the greatest gifts we can give our families slash children is an easy to imitate passion for wisdom. An easy to imitate passion for wisdom. I want to ask you a question. Um, what's the speed of sound in still air at sea level? 650 miles an hour. You're the same era as me. What's that convert to in kilometres? Yeah, okay. When I was at school, I learned it was 1,100 feet a second. What's the speed of light? 186,000 miles a second. 286,000 miles a second. Yeah. 
see, we're getting a... This, this is a trick question. How much does an elephant weigh? Depends how big it is, right? That's right. How many centimetres in a metre? A hundred. We've got some bright sparks out here. I'm hearing some interesting answers. How many millimetres? Just giving you a little hint. Millimetres in a metre. Oh, yes, we got that one right. They're facts. They're information. They're completely like, um, who is old enough to have done the times tables at school? Oh, there's a lot of us here. This. Who used to sing the times tables at school? Ah, oh, yes. It's a little ditty. You know, we used to sing them. Okay, that's obviously something that happened in the Adelaide Hills. Um, when you're at school, do you understand, like, why are you being taught three, fours, a 12? No, no idea. No idea? Still don't know? Strange that we still have dozens when we're metric, but that's another story for another day, I guess. See, it's one thing to dads to want to have your kids learn the knowledge that you've stored up. I really I think Simon could come and share this story, but I don't know how old he was, but I think all of our kids have verbalised this in various forms over the years. There's a day of horror for every child when they realise that dad doesn't know everything. Confession time, Simon, I don't know everything. See, who here as a dad still got their kids living in that delusion? Just the young guys, you know, here at this age. Jones, he's got his hands up. He's, that's it. See, it's one thing to know stuff. It's another thing to know how to apply that knowledge, and that's what wisdom is, a dictionary definition of wisdom, because knowledge is not wisdom. And wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It says the ability to use your knowledge and experience to make good decisions and judgments. So it's applied knowledge. So it's all very well to study, 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 study. And I'm a great believer in studying and learning all the time. But until that study is put to work in an application, it remains just information in your head. It's got to be worked out. And so what I love about God is he, he wants us to apply knowledge. He's created us to be able to absorb knowledge and to retain knowledge and to disseminate it to other people. But imparting knowledge to your kids is only part of the picture. The greater part of the picture is teaching your children how to apply knowledge with wisdom. And so we've got the beautiful book of Proverbs, and I hope that you will get the new version app sorted out this month on your phone, whether it's an Android phone or an iPhone or on a desktop computer. U version, I think it's Bible.com is their website. It'll, you can open that up and you can do the Bible reading plan, um, the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. And uh, it's actually a Bible study uh, month. It's actually unpacking the whole of the book of Proverbs with the first day is a video presentation that explains to you about the, the nature of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. So it's a bit of a Bible study heads up there. Uh, the guys that put this 
uh, program together are really just great at communicating the whys and wherefores of the various styles of literature in the Old Testament. So I'm really believing that it'll, it'll change your day if you can uh, embrace that material and engage with it over the next 30 days in September. So here we are at the very beginning, Proverbs chapter 1. Let me read to you the first few verses in this beautiful book of the Old Testament. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair. Isn't that awesome? To do what is right and just and fair. Who, as a dad, would be prepared to put their hand up and say, haven't always got that right. Okay, I've known what to do, but I haven't always got that right. I've got good news for you. God knows that we make mistakes. Even if you've fouled up as a dad, I've got good news. God still loves you. God still receives you. God wants you to do what you can to make amends if you can. But um, <clears throat> what he really wants us to do as fathers, as people, men and women, is to do what is right and just and fair. But that's not just a choice. It's not just a choice to do that. What I think this um, book of the Bible is explaining that there's got to be a background of knowledge and information sitting in us. There's got to be a relational context out of which we operate, but we do what is right and just and fair. Forgiving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings, the riddles and the rules of the wise. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a, a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. There's a whole lot in that very um, first nine verses of Proverbs chapter 1. That's an invitation to make a decision to live a particular lifestyle, one that is gathering information and knowledge, yes, but one that is determined to impart that information and knowledge through making great choices. So one of the greatest joys of being a father, in my opinion, is the obvious influence that you have on your children, both intentional and unintentional. <clears throat> Teaching them how to use what they learn as information to make good and just decisions is a gift that will keep on giving into their lives and the generations following. Um, just as an example, another example of, of knowledge versus wisdom. So a little person, I'd say a, um, a two or three-year-old child, maybe a bit younger, two-year-old, that's just learned to walk. They've acquired the knowledge, the skill set, the motor control of their being to actually stand upright, I still think it's an absolute miracle when you see a little kid stand up. I kind of go, what on earth is going on in that grey matter? I mean, we as adults don't even think about it, but a little person learning, it just intrigues me that they actually watch us standing upright. They believe they can do it, right? Well, they don't enter their head that they can't do it. They just go, they're up and down, they're falling off things all the time, but they acquire the knowledge to stand up and then to walk. But that doesn't give them the wisdom to not walk in front of a car. 
doesn't give them the wisdom to not walk alongside and, and literally step over a cliff if they were near one, if the parents were caught out of, out of attention. It's like, so the knowledge about how to walk is one thing, the wisdom to apply that is another. And it's as simple as that example, you take that analogy into any context you can be a brilliant person with regards to numbers, mathematics, whatever, but if you have that, that skill set and you're really good at that, but you've not worked out how to apply that for the benefit of others in particular, then I would say that wisdom is lacking. Wisdom will work hard to get me and you to do what we can do with what we know and have experienced so that others can learn. That's why Solomon wrote these things out. He learned this stuff and he thought maybe it'd be a good idea to write this stuff down and help somebody else on their journey, right? Yeah, or perhaps uh, maybe not a, a child, um, but you know, uh, an adult is lured by a get-rich-quick opportunity. Anybody willing to put their hand up and go, yeah, I've been tempted in that one over the years, and it's like, yep, I have. Guess what? Get-rich-quick schemes are not wise. They look like they've got a lot of potential to go well, acquired knowledge and research the facts online and wherever else. And you know, getting facts online is kind of a bit of an oxymoron, but that's another story. Um, <clears throat> decides to proceed but ignores the warning of a good friend. God's put people in your life and mine who are actually wise, people who convey the wisdom of God. They know what you know, but they know experiential that what you don't know. You do need to know so that you won't do what you're thinking of doing because they're saying if you do that, you're an idiot and you go and you get all upset because your friends called you an idiot but the bottom line is they're helping you. The bottom line is they're saying don't do that. Well, what do you know? Usually they know something you don't. That's the nature of wisdom. Wisdom links cause and effect. I like this thought popped into my head. Wisdom links cause and effect but does not insist on being right or that things will always work out. So wisdom is not laying the law down. Wisdom is not a dad telling his kids in no uncertain terms, you do it this way and that way only. Even though the dad might know that that works, there's other variables always in the mix. The person you're giving instruction to is not you. The child that you've got if you're a dad that you're wanting them to do exactly as you tell them to do, they are not hearing, seeing or living the life you did. Wherever you've come from, they're living their life and wisdom dictates, let's, let's not insist on being right. Let's, let's insist on being fair. Let's insist on being reasonable. Let's insist on enabling that little person, however old they might be, to make a choice, to make a decision, for them to learn. If I just come in like a bull at a gate and tell them what to do, um, they won't learn too much at all. I've actually had some interesting conversations as a pastor in this church over the years when um, people join our church from all sorts of places and we love people coming to join our church. I've realised that there are at least, but there's probably thousands, but a couple of broad categories of Christians in our community. There's one lot who like leaders to tell them what to do. I've got this going on, well, you should do that. And they go and do it, and they're happy. But they don't really ever get encouraged in a context like that to actually work out for themselves, well, why did that work out? Just because I followed instruction versus there are 
there's lots of things that I think I do as a pastor is ask questions in a sermon. I'd like to think I don't tell you what to do. It might, appear, it might appear that way from time to time, and that's another story from another day. But my point is, I'm of the view that God wired you to learn. For you to use your experience in life mixed with the experience of me or someone else to arrive at a conclusion that works for you. Now, obviously, there's things in those kind of statements that are not variables, so it doesn't matter how hard you try, you can't really change, essentially, the speed of sound. It's a fact. You can't make a metre longer than a metre. It's a metre. A centimetre is a centimetre. Like, th th those things. But our response to the information we have, that's always up for grabs. So, dads, I'm asking you the question, how have you done with what you've had in your hand with your kids? Or kids, maybe as uh, we don't have Kids Day in church for some strange reason. I'm not sure what that's about, but um, it's every day, says some dads. Okay, well, we'll just let that one go to the keeper. Um, but as kids, if you're not a father here today, you're definitely a kid. Some, somebody had a crack at bringing you up, or perhaps they didn't. Perhaps somebody neglected the jobs. Maybe you were very... Um, what's the word, Dys dysfunctionally raised as a child. And that's complicated. That sort of complication is going to make an interface with a message about wisdom more complicated than it might be for some others. But I've got to tell you, wisdom's not put off by that. Wisdom will get into and work its way into your world if you invite her. The Old Testament language of wisdom and the video that you will watch if you do this Bible reading program will refer to wisdom as she and that's more to do with the language of the, uh, the gender of the language of the, particularly the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, the, the Greek version of the Old Testament. Sophia is the name of wisdom and obviously Sophia is female and so wisdom is referred to in the feminine uh, language and lots of people that were obsessed with gender politics even when I was doing theology 20 years ago loved the book of Proverbs because it was focused on the a feminine reference pronouns etc it's like oh my gosh uh, and and loved the fact that and it's this part I agree with there's a huge dimension of God's nature that reflects the feminine part of life and uh, God's clearly able to and did create both uh, genders. And so there, there's a sense in which wisdom has got this, dare I say it, uh, feminine spin on life, which is a good thing, right? Yes. Oh, come on, God. Which is a good thing, right? Yes. But it doesn't mean it's female. It's, a, it's okay, it's, it's not gender specific. But just a heads up, the reason why it is, and it is referred to in the text, the English, she will do this, she will do that, that's referring to wisdom because of the word Sophia. Okay, so what am I saying just to wrap this message up today? What, where will we go? I've got three things to say to you, fathers, from Proverbs chapter 3. I've read this text in church many, many times. Julie and I have shared on numerous occasions that Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 would be a key Scripture in our life. 
one of those foundational go-to, this is what kind of describes who we are as people. We've lived out of this scripture for decades and decades. We'll get down to that in a moment. The the first part of it, though, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read this in a a little set of verses. 1 and 2, 3 and 4, 5 and 6. So the first thing is, dads, teach your kids information. Anyone watch the movie, uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Don't you love the Greek dad? That guy's character, I just sat there. I, I laughed so much watching that movie the first time. He, he is like, man, he's, he's got knowledge. He knows everything about everything, right? He's the personified, he's the real dad. He's got the worst bad jokes, bad dad jokes. Um, <coughs> he's, um, he's just walking, talking information. But you need to teach your kids stuff. Teach them. Not only information, teach them manners. You teach them respect. You teach them how things work. Information. My son, don't forget my teaching. One of the roles of being a dad is a teacher. You don't have to be a qualified school teacher to be a teacher, but understand you're teaching your kids whether you like it or not. You're teaching them how to behave as a person. You might be teaching them how to handle being angry. If you fly off the handle uh, as a Uh, adult male and you get angry and you start throwing things around the house or uh, speaking loud or raise your voice or get demonstrative and but your kids kind of arc up when they get angry and you don't like it you got a problem because what you say to them don't do that you do to them it's like we've got to be mindful that what our kids See and copy is as much what we do as what we say. So I want to say to you, be careful. Say, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. A dad is able to impart information to their children so that they can live a peaceful and prosperous life. Anybody say, that's a good news story. It's not you could, you can. Let me say, it's not you could do that. I'm not very good at it. No, you'll find you're incredibly good at it. You make it your business to teach your kids um, how to prolong their life. They will prolong their life and bring peace and prosperity into their relationships. That's a job that you as a dad can teach. The second thing that's in this verse, this few verses of Proverbs 3 is this, to demonstrate love and faithfulness as a dad. I would hope that I have demonstrated love and faithfulness to my kids. That principally happens in the context of the way I relate to Julie, in my case, and to our other kids, in other words, their, their brothers and sisters, their siblings. And in the context of a church like this, it, it is connected to the way that I treat you and you treat me. Demonstrate love and faithfulness. In fact, the proverb puts it this way, let love and faithfulness never leave you. What a great instruction. What a great encouragement. Again, if you've actually fouled up in that part of your life, if faithfulness and love is something that's evaporated in your world for whatever reason, I got great news for you this morning. You can come back to the one called Jesus Christ and get that sorted out. He is faithful, it says in the Bible, when we're faithless. If you've become faithless, if you've fouled up a relationship in your life, 
Today, this Father's Day, let me tell you this good news. God is not faithless. God has not abandoned you. He's not forsaken you. God wants you to come back to him to be restored. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Dads, if you've got little kids, let me tell you right now, one of the greatest things you can do is teach them to, to be, uh, let love and faithfulness get embedded into their heart. Bind it around the neck. Write it on the tablet of your heart. And then finally... The third thing that a dad can do that's in this text in Proverbs 3, guide and encourage them to trust God. So verses 5 and 6 read this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. As I said already, your kids will do more of what you do than what you say. So no matter how you've been doing as a dad, this year, why don't you commit to the pursuit of wisdom for all our sakes? Why don't we stand to our feet? invite you to close your eyes for a moment where you stand just get every distraction you can <clears throat> out of the way Heavenly Father I pray that as we come to a close today every dad would feel the comforting presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Maybe today is a difficult day for some of us in this meeting because of our relationship with our dad. If you are a dad, maybe it's because of complicated relational dynamic that's almost created around you as you've gone through life with your kids sometimes wondered what on earth's gone on what's happened what I love about God is he's calling each one of us to draw near to him there is no circumstance that's too complicated, no relation that's, or in relationship that's, as far as it pertains to you, beyond being reconciled on the inside of your heart. Obviously, if people are no longer with us and other circumstances literally prevent an actual reconciliation person to person, the miracle of God's work in our life is this. He can fix our heart so we can live, not just live with ourselves, but flourish with the days ahead. Father, I pray for every man here particularly today that no matter what 
burden they may be carrying in this arena, father or son, I pray, Lord, today that freedom would come, the breath of life, the Holy Spirit would breathe into every life. God, that you would set men free right now. Father, that there'd be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, that the spirit of life would come and open the way for a whole new day, a whole new set of choices, a whole new deal of healing in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray today especially that we be drawn to you as our Father in heaven, that through faith in Christ, putting our trust in you, putting our trust in Jesus would cause us to become connected for the first time or reconnected to you, Lord. And we become a child of God. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone today who's not currently a believer, not currently connected to Christ. Jesus doesn't live in our hearts. I pray, Father, that today that can be sorted out, that you will come by your Spirit, Lord, in Jesus' name. Just while every eye is closed, I just want to ask if you've never invited Christ into your life. You can do that this morning. Becoming a Christian is really got a lot of things about it that are to do with Father's Day. God becomes your Father in heaven the moment you receive Christ. He already is the Father in heaven, but He becomes your Father in heaven because He adopts you into His family and He wants you to be adopted into His family. If you've never prayed a prayer to invite Christ into your life, to commit your life to Him, hear this loud and clear. God wants you in His family and it's through faith in Christ that you become one of His children. Never prayed that prayer? Well, maybe you have and you feel like you've walked out of the family. You've turned your back on your faith and you're doing your own thing and you know you're a long way from God, but you used to know Him. Why did you come back to Him this morning? Repent. Turn around and say, Lord, I'm here. I want to give my life to you again. If you're in either of those states this morning, I'd love you to slip your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Bruce. Can we pray a prayer to get right with God today? Come back to Him if you've been away from Him or come to Him for the very first time. Anyone else? Anyone need to do that business today in Jesus' name? Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're a dad who, listening to some of what I've said this morning, has just tugged on some strings in your heart. Maybe there's some things that you've said or done that you wish you hadn't. Why don't you just repent of them right now and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Receive me. Establish me. I want to make a greater impact on my kids than I have to date. Maybe you're a dad who's standing here this morning and your family is really intact and going places. You haven't arrived, it's just part of the journey. Why don't we give thanks to God for the success? Give thanks to God for the fruit of, of a great life. Give thanks to God for His blessing in your life. Being a father is a gift from God, it's a, it's a blessing. And so Lord, I pray whatever state of play 
a dad might find himself in here this morning. That your hand of favour, your hand of wisdom, your hand of provision and abundance would flow out of heaven, Lord, into every life. Pray your blessing on families through the fathers that are in those families. In Jesus' mighty name.